0: Well, hi everyone and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks. I'm thrilled you can join us today. We are going to have a great conversation as always talking with a care partner who is caring for his wife and is an author and just a fascinating story all together. But before I introduce you to our guest, I always want to do a couple of shout outs. So first, I would really encourage you to go to alzheimerspeaks.com, check out all of our free educational resources. We have been creating these since 2009, and there are a variety of ways you can learn from audio and video to um, written pieces, um, and you can also participate By joining Dementia Chats or Dementia in the Arts, if you're living with dementia, you could be our next guest. You could submit poetry um, or an article to our our community section as well. So just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and you'll find information there. You can also check out our book, Betty the Bald Chicken, and you can access Dementia Map, our global resource directory as well. So with no further ado, let's introduce you to our guest. Well, Tony, I am so excited to have you join us today. We talked a while back and we communicated actually years ago. I found some old emails and stuff. And I I just can't wait for my audience to hear about your journey. So I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself, if you don't mind.
1: Not a problem. I'm Tony Copeland Parker. I uh, have was flying airplanes for 37 years with United Parcel Service. I had a situation occur and Catherine and I we diverged and decided to do things a little bit differently. And I'll be telling you our story here in a little bit.
0: Okay. So well let's start out with have you ever been touched by dementia in your own family or circle of friends? That'll open the
1: barn door. Well I can go back to my mother. Uh, I took care of my mother for the last nine years of her life, and uh, she passed away back in 2013. And we used to have this uh, ongoing joke, which is I would show up and say, hey, mom, how you doing? She says, I think I have dementia. I think I have Alzheimer's. I said, oh, really? So I would point to the clock on the wall, and I would say, what's that? She goes, that's a clock. I said, well, then you don't have dementia. You don't have Alzheimer's, because usually you would say, you know, that thing on the wall that tells you the time. So we would go back and forth on that. And unfortunately, she did end up passing away from cancer, but she did not have any sort of uh, dementia as she uh, passed away. However, right after that, 2014, my uh, partner, Catherine, I call her Kent, that's my pet name for her, was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's in 2014. She, her husband, her husband, her dad, had vascular dementia. And so we cared for him and we saw the decline and vascular dementia took about two years to take him. And so we were a little bit fearful when we heard about her having early onset Alzheimer's as to the time horizon for her. So that's uh, my experience with dementia. And I can tell you a little bit more as as we go along.
0: So what were some of the the signs or the symptoms that she was having to even go into the doctor to get diagnosed? Or did you just happen to go to the doctor and it got diagnosed and you didn't, you really weren't expecting anything?
1: I started to notice something about a year before we went to the doctor. Uh, one that I remember so vividly was back in those days, you would sit down and you would reconcile your checkbook. You know, the statement would come in. You're like, Oh, yeah, I wrote that check. I wrote that check, wrote that check. Usually it takes five or 10 minutes. It was like the second day and she was still working on it. And I was like, oh, this is not good. And I started to talk to her and noticed that she was forgetting things. and she, she was asking me questions over and over. And I thought that she might have a problem. But of course, she was not uh, willing to admit to it. Uh, she was working at the time, she was working for the government and she got a new boss and the new boss decided that, that he wanted things done a little bit differently than the way she was doing them. And she was able to cover her problem with just sticky notes and doing the same thing the same way and having the habit uh, of doing uh, such tasks. And when he came in and said, no, I want it done this way, then she started to have a real problem being able to comply with his wishes. And then with the government, they're like very strict on, okay, you're not pulling your weight. We'll put you on a personal uh, improvement program. And he was basically trying to get her fired. So I kind of took the reins and said, we need to go to a doctor. We need to figure out exactly what's going on because if you have a disability you know, your dad had dementia, Mm -hmm. then we can go ahead and have some better avenues for uh, leaving your job, which we did. Went to a neurologist and they did a battery of tests and they came back with early onset Alzheimer's or a like condition. And they say the like condition because it can't be certain until after death when they did autopsy on the brain, exactly what the problem is. So with that information, we went back to his her boss in HR, and we said, here's the paperwork. And we were able to get her uh, severance and also put her on disability. And she still gets disability from the government. And also, we took that paperwork to Social Security and was able to get her on disability with Social Security and, of course, uh, get uh, Medicare for hospital stays. So it worked out great. You know, it wasn't the, the best thing that, that could happen, but we were able to turn around and make the best situations out of it
0: gosh when you were talking about the boss coming in wanting things done differently and how she used her sticky notes Mm -hmm. my mom lived with dementia for 30 years and she worked at deluxe check as a proofreader and she got to the point where she couldn't remember her process either so she put together a three ring binder and she would carry that back and forth back and forth back and forth And she was scared to death. Someone would catch her with her three ring binders. I mean, she almost was paranoid about it because she did not want to lose her job. And, um, but boy, she, she did that for years. It was, it was kind of amazing. Um, cause she just didn't want to go in and, and, um, get checked out. And even when they, when she did mention it to her doctor, he just poo pooed it that all it was was her menopause, you know. Oh, yeah. And so for ten years she heard that and that, right. <laughs> that didn't work. So kudos for you for thinking on your feet and getting yeah. her in and getting that diagnosis and then yeah. taking the proper steps and, you know, positioning yourself the very best you can, yep. you know, when the, when the disease hits. As as far as the diagnostic process. How did she take that? I know that can be really intense and, and overwhelming for many.
1: It was intense. As a matter of fact, we had a a number of crying spells afterwards, Mm -hmm. you know, waiting for the report to come in and the report was like 20 some pages, you know, very detailed as to, you know, questions they asked and and their uh, interpretation of her answers to it. And unfortunately she had to do it twice because with social security, they wanted to make sure that they weren't getting the wool pulled over them. So they got their own guy and then she went in and had to do it all over again. Uh, but uh, the second time around, it wasn't as extensive because he could tell that, you know, by then that it was you know pretty clear that she had a problem.
0: Uh, that I remember my mom going through that, too. It was horrible. Just I mean, she just walked out so deflated, mm-hmm. like she was worthless. Um, And it was just so sad. It was hard to console her, you know, because we didn't really know what happened behind closed doors because we weren't there. But we knew it wasn't good, you know, um, because that was not her typical personality at all with that. How did how did she react to the diagnosis?
1: You know, it was one of those situations where she was fearful that was something was going on, and especially since her dad had uh, the dementia and one of the things that she really was concerned about was how I was going to treat her with it. For example, her family uh, kind of shunned him away. You know, put him in a VA first, and then a nursing home, and that type of situation. She was afraid I was going to do the same. And I told her and assured her that no, we're going to we're going to treat this as a team effort, and I'm going to be by her side and uh, throughout. And she quickly kind of put that all behind her because, you know, we sold everything and hit the road and uh, we had adventure after adventure. So it kind of pushed all that, you know, to the side.
0: That's a big step to sell everything and just really be out there on your own where a lot of people want to be around friends and family and, and things. And yet they don't tell friends and family a lot of right. times. Did you let people know Um, that she was diagnosed when you, when you left or prior to leaving?
1: Oh, yes. We told all the family, all the friends. uh, I started writing to a blog and was, you know, keeping people updated as to, you know, what we found out and and, and all that. So everybody was, and she wanted that. She really wanted people to know. And she encouraged me to write and to give uh, other folks the information that could possibly help them. So she wanted to be kind of a an example for others as they move forward through this uh through this disease process
0: well, that's fantastic for her to be willing to share that and mm-hmm. and for you to be able to put the work towards it because that is time consuming. Did you find that process for you healing?
1: Oh, absolutely. It was very therapeutic for me to be able to you know write down what I was experiencing, what I was feeling at the time. Uh, because what happens is if you don't write it down, then it just bounces around in your head. You know, it's like, oh, you know, this is going on, that's going on. And then if you write it down, you say, okay, I've put it somewhere. It's there. You know, we can just leave it alone. Everything's fine. So, uh, and, you know, the writing part of it uh, just kind of developed, you know, over and over as I as I move through the process. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I found it very, um, healing as well. And, and, and then people would reach out and you, I just felt not alone where before I felt really isolated. And it was like, boy, there's just this huge community out there that wants to share and support one another and laugh and cry with you (laughs) and spur you on. And, and I just found that to be amazing. These perfect strangers, um, when I really wasn't always getting that kind of support from my own family, in terms of dealing with my mom.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because everybody talks about the social media and it's taking over our lives. But you know, the like you said, you know, the support I was getting, I would be posting these to Facebook and Instagram and all. And then people would be commenting, thank you very much for sharing your story. And then they would tell their story, and then we would have some conversations back and forth. So it, it helped them a whole lot.
0: Yeah, there's kind of like two two sides to the social media there's there's that authentic side that's talking about real life everyday stuff that people are no one's hiding behind a mirror and then you have the keeping up with the joneses and and in the kardashians and and life is perfect and there's never a downside to and it's like what what world are you living in (laughs) because i haven't haven't stepped into that one yet you know and i'm 64 i still have the ups and downs and i think i always will and you know, my goal is just to learn from those um, things in, that aren't perfect in my life, which are the majority of things in my life. You
1: know? It's interesting, though, I always in my writings and talking about Catherine, I always kind of look at what's the positive spin I could put on the story as opposed to, oh, what was me? What was me? This is what happened today. You know, I kind of look at her accomplishments uh, what she was able to do and our goals. I always, you know, talk about our goals, what we're setting to, you know, planning on doing in the future to try oh, to give some good. hope to others. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I always, I, I would give kind of the authentic side of the, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> type <bump>. <laughs> <laughs> And then what we figured out and then how it worked out. Right. And, you know, to me, they were all life lessons. And right. I, I also found that really what was good for dementia was really good in all other areas of my mm-hmm. life i mean it really mm-hmm. just taught me to be to look at the world differently in individuals and situations differently and to um, have more patients which i still that's probably my number one priority in my own life i still need right. more of it but it it really helped me grow in that area because uh, i I can look back now and go boy i was that that was an area I was really lacking in was was patience
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely you have to be a patient patient <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly, so when you guys decided to just you know sell everything and up and leave, was that something the two of you really talked about for a long time or was it fairly quick?
1: It was fairly quick because what ended up happening was I was trying to decide whether I was going to retire or not. Uh, And, you know, was I going to be the type of individual that leaves her at home, you know, Mm -hmm. fend for herself during the day while I continue to work and try to continue to grab for the brass ring, as it were, or was I going to go ahead and retire? I was, you know, had a really good job at UPS. I really enjoyed my job. And then some two things that happened that were just, you know, meant to be. Number one was... My boss came to me and said, uh, we're going to move you to another job. It was, you know, the beginning of the year where they they do these rotations. And it was a job I had had before. I didn't particularly like, I really liked the job I had. So I was like, okay, you guys are trying to push me out. That's okay. You know, not a big deal there. Mm -hmm. And then I, I said, well, you know, why stay in Louisville? Let's look at maybe moving somewhere else. So we put our condo up on the market and shortly thereafter, some lady came in and said, I've got cash. I want you out in two weeks. <laughs> and we we're like, I, you know, I said, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. So I went to my boss. I said, no, I'm not going to take that new job. You know, I'll take my retirement. I've been here long enough for a pretty good retirement pension. And uh, well, and then what we were going to do, I wasn't too sure of. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it wasn't set that, you know, we're going to do this or that. But we had some races that we were already on the schedule. So what we said was, okay, let's go see what's out there. Let's go look at maybe someplace else to live. And we're going to do this race in February in Tokyo. And what I started doing is putting together a schedule. okay, well, we're going to be in Tokyo. What's a nice place to visit on the way to Tokyo? What's a nice place to visit on the way back from Tokyo? And next thing I knew, I had 30 days. And then and it was another race. And I say, oh, there's a nice race, to, you know, nice place to go, you know, on the way to that race. And then we, uh, we did it that way. And next thing I know, you know, a year has gone and we still haven't found a place to live. And we were, you know, had still had more races. And also I found a couple of groups that, that really helped out. Uh, one group was Marathon Tours and Travel. They're based in, in Boston. And what they do is, let's just say you're going to go to Tokyo. Well, they set it up. They get your registration, they find the hotel for you, they have a uh, a dinner, reception dinner, they do a tour for you. So you're there for a week and you get to see the city and all. And we did a lot of trips with them. And then it was another group that uh, we did uh, similar type of situations where we'd do some smaller races, but uh we just you know bounced back and forth and then of course we'd do some cruises and we would do some sightseeing and you know, year after year after year, it just kept, you know, uh, pounding, uh, piling along. Uh, one of the things I did do is I decided that, you know, since we were in Atlanta, we moved to, you know, kind of made that a hub. Atlanta has Delta Airlines. So we just kept all our flying on Delta. Uh, we really enjoyed uh, staying in Marriott Hotel. So we kept all our, our Marriott points and we rented Hertz cars because it didn't make any sense for us to have a car. We're going to be here. Why would we have a car? How are we going to get there? So we just got rid of our cars also, and we would just rent cars. So we just stayed with those three programs and uh, were able to sometimes, you know, the car rentals are real expensive. So we use some points for that. The hotel was really expensive. So we use some points for that. The flight was really expensive. So we use some miles for that. So it it helped out uh, keep the expenses down.
0: Oh, that's that's smart. Gosh. So your life really changed. Yes, um.
1: absolutely. absolutely.
0: <laughs> Big, big time. How did the two of you adjust to that in the beginning? Was it, was it pretty much just like going on vacation, you know, when she's got young onset and, and then has it gotten more difficult as things have progressed? I would imagine since it's been 10 years almost.
1: Yes. Um, you know, early on, you know, you, you're, Forgetting where your glasses are, forgetting where, you know, what you had to eat, you know, forgetting little things. It, it, it was no big deal. The first, you know, four or five years, was, you mm-hmm. know, I was just helping, helping her out. She was a very, very social person. Mm-hmm. So that was very helpful because, as you know, they want to withdraw. They don't want to be out and, you know, have people looking at them and go, oh, there's something wrong with me. So, She would always, she would start up a conversation with anybody. If they asked the details about where we had been or where we're going, she would just turn to me and she said, well, this is my brain. Ask him, you know, and then I get drawn into the conversation and I would have to finish up the story as to what, what we did and where we gone. And then also she didn't have any problems telling people, you know, "I, I I have early onset Alzheimer's and I don't know, you know, much of what's going on. So talk to Tony about it. And, you know, we would be able to, um, You know, carry on the conversation, and also the fact that you know we were basically nomads; we had no home. So when people would say, "You know, where are you from?" Well, actually, we're nomads. We've been on the road for two years, or three years, or whatever. And everybody was like, "Oh, I want to hear this story." So it was uh, very engaging. So it was really good. As I saw, our plan was that it was uh, ability to keep her social. Uh, We were able to see new and exciting things you know, the Eiffel Tower, having lunch in, on Eiffel Tower, or, you know, running across to L- London Bridge, you know, things like that. And then also the fact that exercise, because we were doing marathons, half marathons, just about all the time, and then training for them just about all the time. So we were running, you know, constantly. So wow. that, that, that part also helped out a whole lot.
0: That's amazing. Um, for those of you that are just tuning in right now, we are talking with Tony, and he is talking about his journey with his his partner, Catherine, who has early onset and how they kind of flipped things like a pancake, left their jobs and uh, started traveling around the world doing marathons and just a fascinating, fascinating story. He has a website called runningwithcat.com and that's C-A-T. He's also on Facebook. Um, Instagram, and has a book out, Running With Cats, as well. And we'll have all the links for you in in the show notes here. Um, also, we're going to hear a little bit about Q-Blocks, and then we're going to be right back. And I think I'm going to have Tony read a poem that he wrote about their nomad lifestyle. So we'll be right back. I also want to introduce you all to Q-Blocks. They have been absolutely excellent to deal with they have been in business for 18 years and they serve the globe i can't say enough good things about this company i've had a lot of bad experiences i don't know about you with tech companies they have made a very complicated process very easy and their staff is so kind so polite so respectful to work with and You know, when I am frustrated and ready to pull my hair out, they just smile and tell me everything's going to be okay. And they really are just on top of the communication, which alleviates so much stress as an owner when you're dealing with tech issues. You can get a 10% discount. Visit them at Qblocks at C U E. Blocks dot com, or you can email them at let's talk at dot com for that ten percent discount. Just put Lori L O R I in the inquiry form, and again, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I surely haven't been. I I can't rave enough about this company, and that's kind of rare these days. Tony, I am just fascinated at all you have done and the lifestyle you've chosen and how you have really embraced caring for Catherine. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing um, how you've continued to do what you two have loved to do for years and years. So I, I would love if you wouldn't mind sharing your poem, Nomads, with us.
1: Absolutely. Nomads. Why nomads, you might ask? It's impossible to make it last. She has Alzheimer's, so let her be. She needs routine, can't you see? I like to explore, manage, and travel. So what about me? Nomad is a noun with no fixed residence, whereas I am somewhat hesitant. I like peregrinate, which is a verb since we have done most by foot. Over the last eight years, it took all of our loot. If you were to ask me, I don't give a hoot. Marathons were mostly our fare, but none were ever done on a dare. its It was ours to spend as we saw fit. I would do it again since we spent time on beautiful islands such as St. Kitts. Alzheimer's really does not care. It's not something you would want to share. Everyone's experience is somewhat different, but I can now assure you, that the damage is permanent. I once thought I was going to find the elusive cure. Many companies use that hope as their lure. As the disease progresses, we will have to settle down, but not until sundown. We used to run when the sun would rise. Now we slow walks hand in hand to no one's surprise. We saw and did so many things she will not always remember I will not trade away those memories since they now define her. Her beautiful smile and baby blue eyes sparkle remain. We all now know it will never be the same. They say Alzheimer's cruel joke is called a long goodbye. However, my cat will always know that I will never leave her side.
0: Oh, that last line really got me.
1: Yeah, I I've, yeah, I've made a promise to her, and uh, as you can imagine, as the disease progressed, we 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 can't uh, travel as much as we used to. As as when we were on the go for the first eight years, we were you know picking up and and moving along every four days. Uh, now we've uh, moved into a senior living facility up here in Roswell called Brookdale um, Senior Living. Facility and uh, is perfect for us. We still travel. Uh, We, as opposed to every four days, we usually take a trip uh, once a month or every every other week. Uh, And I have a a fantastic group of ladies that help me. I have six ladies that uh, rotate in and out, usually four hours a day, Monday through Friday. Their one requirement is they have to be able to walk three miles an hour and uh, love cat the the way I do. As a matter of fact, as we're recording this, uh, I have one lady that's out there right now. Uh, The facility that we're in, the reason why I picked it is because it has over two miles of corridors indoors. And everybody decorates their uh, doorways for Christmas and Easter and all. And then we have a half-mile walkway around the facility. It's beautifully landscaped with pool and gardens and all. So, you know, when the weather's nice, they're outdoors walking. They listen to the birds sing. And when they're indoors, uh, she's giving out hugs to all the mom types that are are here. So uh, we're we're doing really well. We've transitioned also by me adding a, a lady, the sixth lady, who is now called the travel companion. So when we go and I need to have four hands, you know, trying to to navigate the airport and all, I I pay someone to travel with us. And it's, uh, it's been working out really well.
0: Oh, fantastic. I I work with um, the Roseville AD group, Alzheimer's and Dementia um, Community Action Alliance group here in Roseville, Minnesota, and they've been very active on, uh, working on getting TSA trained. They've got a whole website with all kinds of information. And I'll put a link into the show notes on travel because some people might be inspired to look into that. And they use the, um, the sunflower lanyard. I don't know if you've heard of that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is something that people can wear as an ID that helps staff in the airport understand that you might need more assistance. But there's all kinds of links um, that can assist people in terms of getting on and off and to and fro and what to pack and all of those types of things Uh, because that can get complicated and there's now a program that's actually certifying travel companions too because it's becoming such um, such a huge need out there people people are realizing that everything isn't doom and gloom and you can still live life To its fullest um, and having additional support is is wonderful. I want to talk about your book. Now, you said that you did some blogging. Was your blogging kind of your journaling and that kind of sparked you to put a book in or was a book just a whole different thought altogether for you?
1: No, so I was blogging and I was uh, writing my journal basically and putting it out for everybody to read. What ended up happening was really a strange turn of events. We were traveling. We were on a cruise to St. Martin and uh, we got off the ship in St. Martin. And that was back in March of 2020. And then that's when COVID hit. And we uh, transitioned over to St. Kitts and we were going to stay there for a couple of weeks. My sister has a condo there. So we're just going to stay there a couple of weeks. well, St. Kitts ended up taking the tact of, we're closing down the island. Nobody's coming, nobody's going, and we're going to survive through COVID with uh, nobody coming on on our island, which meant we couldn't leave. So I'm stuck there for a month, and there's nothing really to write about anymore. And then I said, you know, this might be a good time for me to, to think about, about you know writing a book. So what I did was I took all of my writings of the block, and I, I – compile it together. And then I hired a professional editor. So we we're communicating back and forth while I'm sitting in St. Kitts, And uh, we were editing the book. And then when we got back off the island, I decided that, yes, this is what I wanted to do uh, is go ahead and, and put the book out. So that's how it, uh, how it all came about.
0: So tell our audience again, what the name of the book is and who who your audience is.
1: It's uh, running all over the world. Our race against early onset Alzheimer's, and uh, it's basically, you know, if you're a runner, if you're a traveler, if you have, if you have somebody with Alzheimer's, or you have somebody with a, another type of of uh, disease. And what it, what I want to do is, I want folks to realize that you can find joy. Within the disease, it's not a death sentence, it's a life lesson. And I gave you many examples of how we looked at the situations totally different from from um, what people normally do. Say, so they say person with Alzheimer's needs to have a routine. You know, you have to get up at the same time, you have to be in the same place, so they can find a way to the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. Well, what I did was I said travel is going to be our routine. You know, bathroom might change. You know, you know, we, we might have a destination change. But at the same time, when she's getting frustrated about trying to figure out, you know, where the bathroom is or where she has, you know, she looks out the window. She goes, oh, my goodness, look at the Swiss Alps. Aren't they beautiful? And it just kind of melts away all the frustrations. So what we did was uh, and I encourage folks to start early as opposed to waiting until, oh, okay, let's take one more trip before, you know, it's too late, because that kind of can mess them up. And can, you can get out there and then they want to be home. And they don't realize that, uh, you know, you're 4000 miles away. So I want them to get into the, the habit of doing it early. And also, what I wanted to show is that the travel age industry is really uh, geared towards folks with disabilities. You know, the blind, you have and eye dogs, you have people can't hear, you have people who have uh, other types of dis- missing limbs, things like that. And so when they see us coming and they know that I'm holding on to her a little bit tighter than, or her head might be dropped down, you know, they know, okay, these folks need help. I could actually be walking through the terminal and folks with wheelchairs, you know, they're pushing wheelchairs, going someplace else will stop and say, do you need help? I said, oh, no, I'm fine, because actually Catherine wants to walk. You know, she doesn't want to, you know, get in a wheelchair and be carried off somewhere. So, you know, we we take our time, but we get to the gate, and we actually get there early, and we walk the terminal and all. And she loves seeing the different people and smiling at them and and all. So, and getting on the airplane, I remember one time, you know, she was a little frustrated, and she was a little agitated, and a flight attendant came by, everything okay? I said, me a snack <laughs> and she went and she grabbed some chips and she you know and and she, Catherine was fine you know having, having a snack there so you know.
0: everybody gets a little hankery every now yeah. and then yes, that's, 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 a, <laughs> no. that's, a,
1: that's a true statement there
0: well you know and i'm thinking too you know all the exercise i mean that had to be good just for the the blood stimulation the oxygen throughout the body and, and keeping her healthy and i'm i'm wondering you know with neuroplasticity if the change in routine actually was a good thing for her in terms I of le- learning things new, too, right. because there's so much uh, coming out journal-wise on that. And um, it's kind of an interesting concept. I think routines we like so that we have control. Right, right. Is right. And um, I'll never forget, I don't know if you know Harry Urban or not, but he's been living with dementia for, oh, gosh, 15 Maybe even close to twenty years now, and he said, um, "He said routines are great. He's like, but you got to remember who whose routine they are. If you want us to follow your routine, that might not work so well. (laughs) You know, the whole point is making it our routine so it fits where where we're sitting. And and you knew Catherine well enough that you guys like to travel and and what brought her joy and just really incorporated that into your. You know, everyday life with this, and you know that took a lot of a lot of guts to go against everything that was being set out there in terms of you know you shouldn't be doing you shouldn't be doing this that she's not capable of doing this because right, right, right. Um, I think there's so much advice out there that um, and and that's I think one of the things that got me into this space too was I was tired of the the doom and gloom. And I wanted, I wanted people like you to show me how to live well. You know, what what are some other options? Because um, the way you live your life and the way I live my life are probably totally different. That doesn't make either of us wrong. It just says this is what fits for us individually. So why when there's a disease, are you supposed to just do one thing? That always drove me crazy, and still does to this day. You know, I think it's, it's one of those diseases that really pushes us to be fluid and in the moment and really understand who we are and who they are. And again, focusing on, and you had said this earlier, what what is going to bring them joy?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I, had a, I had another reasoning uh, behind the book, mm-hmm. which was, I thought, wouldn't it be nice You know, we're sitting wherever and I flipped the book open and I started reading to her, you know, some stories about where we had been. And I have pictures in it and I flipped to the page and there's a picture of us with a a nice background. And then I said, well, you know, I like to listen to Audible's Mm -hmm. books. So maybe I can find somebody that uh, will read it for us. So I went out and hired a guy to uh, put on an Audible book so you can get it on Audible also which means that as we're driving along in Utah going to our race, I toss in the Audible book and she's sitting over just smiling because, of course, it's written about her. So her name is mentioned over and over. Catherine did this, Catherine did that. And she's just over there just beaming, you know, recalling some of the crazy things that we did. And uh, oh. she really mm-hmm. enjoys that. And then the other thing is that, in our apartment, I found this is an item called a fire stick, where you mm-hmm. plug into your TV, your photos go to Amazon Photos, and then Amazon Photos goes to the fire stick. So I can have a slideshow while we're eating breakfast with music playing in the background of, of our, our pictures. And she can look up and, oh, yeah, you know, she smiles at, at the picture of us, uh, you know, in Paris or wherever. So that's always, I'm trying to keep those memories going as best as I can uh, of our past.
0: Well, and that's a, that's a wonderful tip for people. I I think people forget about all the different ways we could stay connected that, you know, can just be playing in the background, you know, it doesn't have to be the main event per se, but just all of those little things make a, can make a really, really big, big, big difference. What kind of feedback have you gotten from people on the book?
1: Oh, very, very positive uh, feedback. Uh, folks uh, love it. They uh, a, a number of people that we know, you know, are in it. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, I remember when we were in South Africa and we did this and that. And, you know, I mentioned your names, you know, things of that nature. Uh, you know, some folks are, they, I'm not too sure this is something I could do with my mother or with my, you know, uh, husband or whatever. And I, I tell him, I said, it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm just giving you a concept. The concept mm-hmm. is, what do the two of you love to do? Do it together <laughs> as long as you can, as opposed to, oh, well, she likes to go play bridge. So she'll play bridge with her girlfriends. And I like to play golf. And I'm going to go play golf with my with my my friends. And then we'll come together in the evening. And we'll wow. have dinner. No, you know, get up in the morning. What do you guys love to do together and do it together all day long, all evening long, because you don't know how long you're going to have. You really don't. The, you know, the time horizons for this disease Our dad died after two years. There's mm-hmm. people, your mother, 30 years. You don't yep. know. So you have to, you know, go ahead and make every day count and do as much as you can. And I think the fact that, you know, I'm I'm here all the time, you know, and I'm, uh, we're doing things. We're still, you know, going, at, going, getting on airplanes, and we're still doing races. She can't run anymore. She lost the ability to run almost two years ago. But she still walks about three miles an hour and puts in about five to six miles every day of walking, you know, either indoors or outdoors. And then I have what is known as uh, the Catmobile, which is an adult-sized stroller. And we'll go through a race. Let's say we're going to do a half marathon. I'll, she'll do a 5K, a half mile at a time. I'll I'll push her for a mile and a half. She'll get out and she'll walk for uh, a half a mile, and I'll put her back in and run for another mile and a half. And she'll get out and at the end she'll get a medal for doing a 5K, and I'll get a medal for doing the, the half marathon. And you know, people that know us and see us out there are always encouraging. I have a little sign on on it, you know, with her name, so they call out her name, you know, as as she goes by or I go by. So it's, it's really nice. Uh, oh, that's,
0: that's cool. You know, I just interviewed a gal that might help some people out if they don't know how to put a book together, don't have the time. And it's uh, Lori Yach, um, Y-A-U-C-H. And she has um, a company called Meaningful Memory Makers. And if you send her just photos and you know, little snippets of summaries of who's in the pictures and things like that. She'll put a book together for wow. you, which That's and fabulous. it's and it's like under a hundred bucks. I mean, it's yeah. it's reasonable, and to not, I mean, because you know how much time it takes to yeah. put a book to- yeah. <laughs> book together. And I just found that fascinating. And I when I interviewed her, it was just in December. So if people want to go back, they can they can hear that. There was one woman who said her mom just held on to her book and carried it around with her all the time. And the pages were kind of mangled a little bit because she was in it all the time, looking at all these memories. Oh, that's, that
1: so that's great.
0: And I just thought, how cool is that? And so yes. there's, there's so many workarounds because not everybody can do what everyone else does. You know, you got to do what fits into your life. And, right. um, and and that can make a, a cool legacy piece for family members as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Which is which is really really cool too. So what's you know you seem like a guy that's um, that has a lot of goals and you <laughs> you just punch through them. What's next on your bucket list here?
1: Oh yes, this is fabulous. So um, in April of this year, it will be ten years since Catherine was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Uh, we have. She, let me back up. She has run 89 uh, marathons. She has done a marathon in all 50 states. We finished that up in October of, of, of 2020. And we've been set the new goal of running a half marathon in all 50 states. She was able to run 43 states. And I plan on, I pushed her six states. And we have a plan in April to be in Wisconsin to do our 50th state as a half marathon and that will be tying in with the fact that she was diagnosed 10 years ago so that's the, co- the the correlation there and that will be the ending of my second book which I'm finishing up right now so we're going to have that uh, come out in August of uh, 2024
0: you know Wisconsin is huge in terms of supporting dementia um I would definitely tie in every county actually has a um a dementia specific counselor to be um, able to help people. I mean they're they're just doing amazing things. So you might want to check in um with the ADRC over there because I think they might they might be able to help you get some PR which would be really oh, Absolutely. Fun
1: absolutely so I have some yeah I have some folks that are going to be coming with us to to help me uh w- with the event uh, help me push her so we're, we're in. and the, I plan on actually she's gonna walk the start and she's mm-hmm. gonna walk a little bit during the during the race and then we hopefully will be able to walk across the finish line so that's the plan there so yes, what city will today. you be in uh I will be in milwaukee okay yep, yep. Okay. twentieth of April that's where we'll be.
0: Oh, that's exciting. Yes. That's really yeah, I'm exciting. I'm really
1: excited about that. Yep. You guys should and, get
0: some national coverage on that yeah. one. And
1: yeah. then we're going to start doing 10Ks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we have uh, 14 states done already, so we'll go back around a third time. And maybe a 5K, go around a fourth time. We'll just keep going. I I, I love to manage. I love to travel. And I, I love being with her. So we're going we're gonna to continue doing this as long as we can.
0: Wow, that's that's so cool. What are some things that you think are really critical for, for family members to know and people that get diagnosed?
1: Well, one of the things I found out later on, and I wish I had known it earlier, is that, let's just say, for example, I don't reach out to someone and say, I have a problem. I need help. Well, what they're assuming is Tony didn't reach out. So he must not have a problem. He must not need help. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I I urge people is you have to tell folks that you need help or they won't help you. And uh, even close family members, it doesn't matter because they got their own world. They got their own things they're doing, baseball games, whatever whatever they got going on. So it's really important for you to communicate to them the, the, the amount of help. The second thing is that just because you tell them doesn't mean you're going to get any and you, you can't take it personally. It's just a way that, you know, their, their brains are wired and some folks want to remember them as they were and not as they are. Hi everyone. If you've been injured in an accident, that was not your fault. Listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And you see that, you know, all the time with people that, are, that have a disease that are failing, that, you know, family members don't, you know, come around and support. So, you know, that's the other thing. Uh, that I had to learn along the way
0: yeah i um I just read something on Facebook, and I had seen this before and, and heard about it, but it's worth mentioning one of them they called um and this happened to do with death, but this could happen any anytime when you're dealing with um some kind of illness, but they had they called it grief groceries, where people could order food and mm-hmm. just have it go through instacart and instead of saying, you know what can I help you with they said. Uh, will you be home at 7 30 tonight? And they were uh-huh. like, well, that's a weird question. And they're, they're like, yeah, okay. And then groceries show up. That and, is and then they put in, you know, food that could be reheated. And then, you know, the guy who was writing the article said, I had my Oreos and ice cream, if I just needed a moment to binge, <laughs> they knew what I liked and right. then other people had bought um gift cards to their favorite restaurants right. so then uber you know that they, they could just have that delivered to them and stuff and i thought those are neat ways um to be able to help if somebody can afford to do those yeah. types of things yeah, but right. there's so many different ways to be able to help from just talking on the phone to coming over and visit or You know, taking your loved one for a little while for a walk while you're doing something else. I mean, it's or just being part of um, being able to go out together and being comfortable with that. Um, Playing a game where the rules aren't always followed. If somebody can't follow them and not getting upset, Uh, it's all those little things. But it is kind of amazing how many people do walk away from discomfort, both within the family and circle of friends. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I found, too, that I, you know, when my mom got diagnosed, and I mean, she's been gone since 2014, so this is 40 years ago, we didn't really tell anybody. <clears throat> and and so they didn't know, and so their expectations were she could still do she, whatever she could do prior and i would find that really frustrating and then one day i kind of had to slap myself in the face going well that's your own doing <laughs> right, right. <laughs> from not sharing but there's that that fine line of dignity you know in protecting them and and then i thought gosh i'm just reacting out of fear you know and i'm not stepping up with hope and i'm not stepping up with um with with real life I mean we all have stuff we have to adapt to.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And and I think people forget that. Um easily and we we kind of buy into you know the media's pounded kind of the doom and gloom stuff into our heads for years and years and years and so it's and it's turning around um slower than I'd like but it is turning around yes, and I is. think that's a lot um it has to do with a lot of people like like you and myself and so many others that are talking about this whole other side of the journey, and um, you know you are just um, exemplifying you know love. And have you found that there are different levels of unconditional love through this journey? I know I experienced that with my mom.
1: You know it's tough. There there are times where it's tough where you want to. You know, bl- blame her.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: what I did was, I gave I gave Alzheimer's a name. Mm-hmm. That's Allie. Allie mm-hmm. is doing this. You know, Catherine is trying her absolute best. And every day, I keep you know keep telling myself that you know when she's you know somewhat uncooperative, you know she's trying her best to be cooperative. Mm-hmm. And uh and then at the same time, you know she'll she'll crack that smile <laughs> your eyes all you know gl- glimmer and then you're just like yeah that's yeah yeah that's that's the reason why i i remember now that's the reason why it makes it yeah. makes the whole everything else of the whole day just go away
0: and yeah it's be- it's slowing down and in, in capturing those moments right. and i think to me that was one of the biggest lessons i learned was to you know really watch for all those non-verbals that could easily be missed right. but i i'm a true believer that you will find what you're looking for so if you're looking for joy it's there yes and if you're Absolutely. if you're looking for just a wrenched life you will find it there too as well right. and um you know really made me think i do have a choice in all of this and how i look at this and who I want to be to that person. And it's just, there's such deep beauty uh, in it. I think you, uh, you know, have just done an absolutely fantastic job. I know for me, Tony, uh, and again, my mom's been gone 10 years, but I can have the worst day of my life and I can go back and I can watch some of those snippets, you know, or you'd be able to read those pieces of those stories And no matter what was going on in my day, it melts away and go. It it just says life is good, and just in just a second of seeing that, and that I really wasn't expecting. You know, when I was putting it together, I was just kind of doing it, but I didn't realize the power of the after effect it would have on me. That's really been a gift. Then again, nobody wants to get to that that point but I would imagine even now when maybe Catherine's having a bad moment or something you go back on those memories and all the cool things that are happening and even reminiscing with her about that and being able to get that glint in her eyes I mean there's nothing there's nothing more powerful than seeing that change I don't think anyways there hasn't been for me
1: yeah you know I, I get something out of you know having those slideshows you know, mm-hmm. on the TV myself, I sit there and I just stop and go, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's where we were. Oh, look at that. You know, and, and it just brings a whole lot to me. And I know it will always be there. So I will yep. always have those memories to be able to cherish for the rest of my life also.
0: Yeah, so, what you've so accomplished I, together is is absolutely amazing. Anything else that you want to share with our audience that we haven't covered?
1: Well, the only thing that I would like to add is the fact that I ask folks, you know, to go down this path not to get uh, spun around the axle and trying to find a cure. Uh there you know, there's a lot of hype out there about medications and you know, you're gonna get uh, inundated with you know companies saying, you know, try this pill, try that pill, do this, do that. Take the time to just enjoy life. You know, there is no cure. You know, we, we, we probably won't find one. Uh, unfortunately, what's happening is everything else in medicine in terms of body parts is, is keeping up and we're able to replace hearts and, and lungs and all this. But the brain is still something that is just so complicated that we have not quite figured out what exactly is going on. So uh, it's going to take a long time for us to to, to crack the nut on uh, Alzheimer's. So I would suggest them to just uh, not spend a whole lot of time trying to go down that road. Of we went through a clinic, clinical trial; uh, the drug worked for us, but they decided not to go to market with it. So it was kind of devastating to us uh, at that point. But you know, just try to enjoy life, and enjoy your time together. You know, try to spend as much time together as as you can, I know some cases people are not going to be able to leave their job and retire they're gonna to need to have you know leave their loved one at home alone, but as soon as you have enough uh go ahead and and make that move and try to uh find something it might be just be a museum mm-hmm. oh yeah you know I like going to museums she likes going to museums go to museums together you know find one in every you know different cities or you know whatever the car distance is whatever your your uh you you can afford to do, but do do, do it together because uh it's gonna be very special. And then write about it and then I'll take a lot of pictures. I wish I took more videos. That's something I didn't do. Uh and I wish I had. So that's a, a, something else that I would point out to folks is take videos of so your loved one so you can have that as a remembrance.
0: Need to get one of those what is it? Right. Go, oh, Mohawk, yeah, go yeah, pros, Scammers. cameras. Yeah. There you go. There <laughs> In there yeah it's uh well and there's people that do like stay vacations too where they just watch travel things um if they're not able to travel anymore and you can still reminisce and have good conversations and and things so again uh you know there's no there's no magic bullet and i liked what you said about the medications i think so often people you know, they'll put all their marbles in one jar going, yeah, this pill's going to work, you know, and right. then when it doesn't, it's like they don't know what to do, Right? you know? Right. And so nurture the relationship that you have because yep. uh, no one can ever strip that from you. You can only give that away. Yep. You know, no one can that's, take it from you. And so you're, you're totally, totally in charge. Well, in wrapping up, um, Tony, I can't thank you enough. This has just been a wonderful, uplifting conversation. And, I think will really inspire a lot of people to look at living alongside dementia graciously and in a whole different light and, you know, stepping out and being brave and trying something new. Uh, you know, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. It's not a big deal. It's not, uh, it's not a failure. It's just a, a lesson learned that you're going to have to adapt a different way. That's all. But uh, you know, try, try and then share you know, write about it, let others know um, because you're going to be helping them along the way as well as yourselves. I always ask our audience to be a giver of hope and like, click and share the episode. Not because I want the numbers, that has never been my purpose, but it's because you have people in your own sphere of influence that need this information and they're not telling anybody. They're, They're in that space where No one really needs to know our personal business, so we're we're still in denial in terms of dealing with it. And, you know, the more we push stuff out, the more it makes it easier for people to grab because it becomes more normal. Again, it doesn't take any time, doesn't cost you any money, and it can really have a huge, huge impact on others. Again, you can go to Tony's website, which is runningwithcat.com. He is on Facebook, Instagram. I'll just put all of these links in. Same for the book. And then there's a a little video too that'll kind of show you a little bit about them. So we will make sure that you connect to Tony. And again, feel free to share.
1: I would just say, make sure you have some tissues when you watch the video.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's, that's good. Good to know. Good to know. And so, you know, for, for everyone again, thank you so much for being part of our community. Uh, We will talk to you again in a couple of days. Thanks again, Tony.
1: You're quite welcome. it has been my joy. Bye-bye. Hey everybody,
0: Jared Sebasti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements.